BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you into another. Woo, woo, I lost my breath, lost my breath, fellas. Oh, my, 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 to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I know Ray, Ray knows about the clutch in the chest, the reverend, he knows what that is. Oh, my, my, got a, I got a little bit of the Vespers. Anyway, I'm your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you onto the bandwagon. We got a full OG bandwagon today. That's right. I am joined by the lawyer himself, David Ungard. David, how you doing today? Very well, sir. Uh, back for more. We've been kayfabe recording a bit today. That's right. On kayfabe Monday, now no longer kayfabe Tuesday. By the way, tomorrow, everybody, listen to Dave and I's supersized edition. Sorry. Yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday. Uh, our supersized edition of musical chairs and, that's right, and hockey talk. Because Dave and I forgot that the season starts on Tuesday, and so figured we should talk about hockey on the first day of the season. Therefore, <laughs> we're great hockey analysts here on the Chair Shark Network. Should, so a big deal, huh? Do, uh, you guys should do a half-hour show for both each every week. That's a lot of music, man. And I, 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 I am really struggling. By the way, that's the uh, live studio audience, Mister Saturday Night, giving his opinion where it's unwanted. Like, PC Tony. Listen, much uh, like Vince McMahon, I would never ask anybody to do anything that I wouldn't have or hadn't already or am currently doing myself. That's fine. Um, Ray, we're not going to do it. So. Kidnapped, by the way, Ray thinks I've, that I've kidnapped him mentally, which I have. Yeah, I mean, it might be. I uh, I have enough trouble, and Dave can back this up, going through the first two seasons 
and be like, did we cover these guys already? Have, have we already had this? All? Like, and thank God for Dave as a record keeper. I talk about this tomorrow in the future uh, because I never know whose fucking turn it is to go first on, on musical chairs. Every week, I'm like, Dave, whose turn is it? So Andrew Belaz wants in on a fa- musical five by five with you at some point because you know he does oh, the does he? music reviews on thechairshot.com. So. Okay, I got I haven't done a five by five in a while. I got I got to get that back and and up and doing some recordings. If uh, Andrew's doing it, it'll be the top five and top and lower five Japanese musical bands of all time. No, uh, he's not. Uh, <laughs> well, so Loud, loudness number is, one. No, no, I'm a, no. he, but you guys know. Because I feel I'm competent enough to do the research to find the shit I need to find for whether it be a five by five or a show or whatever. Like I will, I will do the work. Ask Aesop and his random ass five by five Rotten Tomatoes that we had to do, which was fun. It was a lot of fun to to prop up some shitty reviewed films versus some you know top reviewed films that we we kind of hated on. It, it's it's a good time. By the way. Fourth member of the bandwagon here, as usual, as well, the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 942nd. Nine Welcome four. back. Oh, man. They... 941 generations of S. Cashington Esquires are be. disappointed in you. It could How be the 37. Are you and your today? You should be the 37. D-C-X-L-I. No, X-L-I-I. Yeah, there you go. Hey, man. We be busy. What can I tell you? There's a lot of goings-ons. Maybe they should stop. Uh, anyway. Why? Why? We need to classify you with a Roman numeral now. That's how many. I can't, that I can't, kind I of can't speak like that. <laughs> Roman numeral Ray. I'm with that. Roman <laughs> numeral Ray. That's hilarious. I like it. All right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll laugh at that one now. Um, all right. So interesting episode of the bandwagon this week for us, guys, because we are going to do something that I don't really love to do. Everybody likes to make fun of it. Uh, but we are going to review not one but two shows today. As Disney Plus did a little bit of an overlap for us, we got the season finale of Ahsoka, Ahsoka Episode 8, and we got the season two premiere of Loki. And so lots going on on that front. I think it's going to be a very front-loaded show, in fact, because we do have two episodes to cover that are really loaded episodes, in my opinion, as we get into it and kind of talk about what we saw we will, of course, visit the trailer park. We're only going to do three trailers this week, though. I strongly considered putting the fourth one on there that I shared in the DMs last week uh, and then, or this like this weekend. It's a wonderful knife. I don't know if you guys watched it, but uh, oh, honey, no, Justin. Long. Listen though, but listen, listen. I'm going to get some credit at the end of the show when we get to what you're watching. So I know I, I we know what you watched. Uh, we, but we don't have a lot of news around the Nerdosphere to cover this way. And I kind of did that by design, given that I think that there is a ton to talk about with Loki and with Ahsoka. Uh, just, to, just, I feel like there's a lot of meat on the bone for those two episodes today. So really excited to, uh, to talk about those both in the positive and in the negative, uh, though I promise I'm not going to be super negative. No, I, I'm willing to bet I get a roll of the eyes at some point. Tony is already lifting the eyebrow, and that's okay, because I do have what I like to call a quibble with Ahsoka. But before we get into that, and before we get into the quibble, Dave, Tony made you do it. Now you got to do it. You got to play us. I, I, can put, I, got a but, I got a button right here I can play. Go ahead, Tony. You, you play it, baby. Oh, oh fine. 
All right. Thank you very much. By the way, I think that that music may be my favorite Star Wars series music out of the bunch. Like, just, whether you love... This is mine. You don't get to shake your head. No, it's something I like. Tony, stop like Tony, I'm just telling you it's not mine. <laughs> Tony, Tony's like, no, you can't like it. No. Here's why I love a good... I love a good... Um, I love a good um, stripped down sort of restrained tune uh, and very much like something with string instruments and a cello is to me, it's very, very beautiful. One of my favorite uh, theme songs of all time for a television show is actually for the TV show Angel, which I think is just, it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful theme song. And this, while not as fast paced as that one is, I just love, I just love the way the, the atmosphere it kind of creates that it's, it's kind of sad. Think about, this, but in a sweet way, the music from Mandalorian, from Obi Wan Kenobi, yeah. from this have been tremendous. So they have not oh, missed. Look, let's not, let's not, let's not, let's not do this. I Mando. get that Boba Fett is not popular, but the song for Boba Fett was fire. Let's uh, not do this. No, no. Mando's is the best. Yeah, I think Mando's. Oh, of the course, best. but that's when it started. Andor had good music and, too. They they've all and, had and, good music. And Ludwig is probably the best in the business right now. So the dude that does the music. So like. Mando for sure. Rick, for you guys, and you know that's that's fine if that's what you want to believe. However, wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You gotta admit, I've gotten really good at the timing of that with my soundbite. By the ten, way, ten minutes yeah. in, dog. Well, you run crazy. the show. You should eight, eight and a half. Ray. You know, you're giving, I mean, him, I'll, you're giving I, him a minute and a half. Extra. I, I suck. I suck at editing the soundbite. So like, there's like, I gotta time it with a little like silence gap from when I hit play to record to, to like get it. So talking through that and not talking over it has become a science. I just, I like, I, I like all the music. I think that I agree. I agree with Ray. Like, they're all fire. Like, they're all great tunes. Uh, you know, whether the series sucked or not, that's a whole other issue, Boba Fett. But in terms of like music, yeah, I think Star Wars hitting another part. So Ahsoka season eight, let me let me just start here because I think that some of the critical memes I've seen about Ahsoka season uh, or sorry, season eight, episode eight for season one, which by the way was originally titled series finale and then changed to season finale. So I am intensely interested, and we can get to this at the end. I'm very interested to know what the original ending for Ahsoka was, because you don't call something a series finale and end it the way that this series ended. But there's a bunch of memes out there that are that are making fun of Ahsoka seemingly happy about where this, the, the episode ends, like where she and Sabine are. So for those of you... That haven't watched or you're under a rock because you you just are stupid and haven't watched this show yet. We we get a reversal of where we started the series. So the beginning of the series, Ezra Bridger and Grand Admiral Thrawn are lost in space on a different galaxy, and Ahsoka and Sabine are in the sort of home known Star Wars galaxy, searching for Ezra specifically, worried about a possible return of Thrawn. The end of this episode, Sabine and Ahsoka are stranded in said galaxy and planet, whereas Thrawn and a stowaway Ezra Bridger have made it back to what did we decide to call Star Wars? Star uh, Wars base? Pri- Star Wars Prime. Star Wars Prime. Yeah, they're in Star Wars and, Prime. And even in some of the um, 
articles that we've shared, they've called it the primary galaxy as well. So. Right. But there, I've seen a lot of people being like really critical about like how could she be so happy? And I genuinely think, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put hold up, I'm gonna put this out here because I want to get your responses to it as I walk back from this series as a whole and look at what this season was and what I think the ending means. The whole, in my opinion, season one of Ahsoka is Ahsoka making peace with the Force and her place with the Force. And that all comes to a head in the back half of this season after she has her moment with Anakin while she's drowning. And the reason she's fine with where they are is because she is now completely bought in to the concept of the Force and Fate. And this is where she is. Like she says, this is where we're supposed to be. Not because she's happy that they're stranded, but that she knows there is a purpose for her and Sabine to be there. We as an audience just don't know what that is. And so for me to see memes and some half-assed hack articles that are like, how can she be so happy being stranded on this planet? Thrawn's like, everything's fucked and she's happy. No, they're not. Geek, you guys, calm down. There he Just is. Calm down. There he is. Mark the tape. So, reta- retainer boy. <laughs> Twelve and a half so minutes. Thoughts. So thoughts on that before we get into some nitty gritties um, about that. That ultimately, I think that this season, this first season, whether I agree with that journey or not, this was about Ahsoka's journey and her reconciliation with her place in the greater universe and with the Force. Ray Cash. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Um, I'd like to point out something that we've already spoken about on this episode today. Look at the music of the song. Look at the music of the show. You spoke about how it just sounds sad. Beautifully sad, but sad. The one thing that Ludwig Gorenson is really good at is making music that matches the ideology or the or the belief of the character. Boba Fett is loud and booming because he wants to be in control. The Mandalorian is kind of Western and kind of quiet but builds because he's, he, he quite doesn't know what he's doing he has one purpose but it changes this feels sad because ahsoka is in all actuality i can't speak before the show a sad character everything about her was sad and you, your your point is perfect you're absolutely right it's if it, it felt like i've I, i'm okay with everything now i don't i don't like where we're at i would have been nice as a viewer for her to like just one time just one time like Slap Sabine one good time for the shit she's done. Would have been nice. But there, it's very telling. The very last thing you see at the end of the episode is Force Ghost Anakin saying, yeah, she good now. Like, that's very telling to me because you, as the point you made so eloquently, we've been on a journey these past eight episodes of Ahsoka basically having to revisit everything she's done in eight episodes. Going through the the, fort, the fight, she, the, the little out-of-world experience she had with Anakin from growing up in it and then him becoming Vader, from her having to, having being forced to have to find Sabine again, for her being forced with the idea of losing Sabine again, for her to being forced with the idea of Ezra being back, Thrawn being, coming back, like, all of these things are things that she's had to relive, and it's, this episode has so many telling points we're going to talk about, I know, breakdown, but when she was with, um, C-3PO daddy, whatever his name is. And she was like, I got it. And she Bu-yang. called to Sabine. Booyang, thank you. And she called to Sabine. And Sabine C-3PO heard her. daddy. That's the fucking title. 
but she but like she called to Sabine through the force and Sabine heard her. Like not only I think is she comfortable where she is because of the force, but I think she's also comfortable because she knows she finally got through the Sabine and Sabine has finally transitioned into becoming a Jedi because all the Jedi moments Sabine had in this episode. So I think there's a lot of 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 calm and acceptance. You know, sometimes you may not be happy where you are, but when you accept the situation, which you are, it brings calm. So I'm with you 100%. But I would have liked for us, just one time, for it to be like, Sabine, you, you, you tripping. And then keep it moving. But like one time, though? Like one time? One time. Once. Dave, what did you think? I think there's a couple of reasons why, at the end of this whole thing, people who are saying, how come she's not upset? How Because you don't really understand Star Wars lore. And there are places, as we've discussed, that I know Dave Filoni at the outset of the season said, no, you don't have to watch Clone Wars and Rebels to understand this. But in this last, this season finale, it really helps to have that. Because there's two things, two reasons why Ahsoka is cool. So hold on. I was like, okay, don't go too far. But yes, I I won't. But there's two, two reasons that in this episode where you look at it and say, she's okay. She's going to be okay. It's not optimal. There's certainly problems. She's okay. Shadows in the starlight where Sabine senses something in the starlight and it's Anakin's force ghost. Like Ray was talking about standing there smiling. He's, and she says, he's always looked over me. He's always watched over me no matter what. Um, that's one, but Hedwig, I call it. It's really the name of the bird is Morai because it looks like the white owl shows up. If you've watched rebels and I know Pat, you have, that bird always shows up at critical points in Ahsoka's path to kind of say, you're okay. So the fact that the bird shows up at the end, combined with Anakin's force ghost, tells me, yes, this is not optimal. But in her mind, she's like, I'm where I'm supposed to be right now, wherever that is. That's what I got. You're you're all this this left, bro, on the overall arching thought of what it all means. Just to go back to what your first point of, of someone wondering why she's so happy or, or looking so contently optimistic, I like to say, um, it's because she put to bed the demon that she could possibly turn into the evil that Anakin turned into. That was her biggest fear. And once she put that to bed, she knew that she was doing the right thing. She could accept her place with the force. Um, I thought it was a really cool episode. You see Sabine getting to get a little bit more in touch with the Force. I'm sure that's going to come up. But as far as Ahsoka goes, just I can't buy into her as much as I can other Jedis. But I did enjoy the series as a whole. I am looking forward to the fact that it looks like there's another season. Definitely love to see what's going to happen moving forward here. The little O'Dowd, by the way, agrees with you. Uh, Cannot stand Rosario Dawson. Ahsoka loves animated I, loves yeah. animated Ahsoka. I Does think not young, love, Ahsoka, young Ahsoka in this series was young Ahsoka is, is he he's she, fine with she has her moments, but like man, a lot like, of times he doesn't a lot of times in this episode I look at the I look at Ahsoka and I look at Ezra and I look at Sabine and I'm like, wow, I can barely not see you standing in front of a green screen doing this for a camera right now. <laughs> hey hey Patrick. Yes, sir. He'll appreciate her in about two, three years. Trust me. Oh, geez. Probably. I don't know. We'll, uh, no, no. Keep we'll, the head we'll find up. out. Keep the headpiece on. Um, that's weird. So, okay. But I'm not that guy. Anyway, why'd you have to make it about that? The, uh, the <laughs> ending of this, the ending of this episode, by the way, very Empire Strikes Back. Very, uh, very Empire Strikes Back. Very middle of a trilogy-esque sort of episode where there's a lot of, there's a lot of loose ends. 
There is a foreboding with Thrawn returning. There's also hope. And that's always been a big part of these middle these middle pieces or sort of finales is that, you know, even even the much maligned Last Jedi, which I know I'm I'm the lone big fan of The Last Jedi, but amongst a seemingly hopeless moment, there is hope. And you get that at the end of Empire Strikes Back as the you know Luke and Leia and Lando are planning to go back. You know, they know they're gonna go rescue Han Solo and continue the fight. At the end of The Last Jedi, you see this idea of word of the resistance reaching farther points of the galaxy and force sensitive children in existence out there that have something to believe in. And here you just, you there's, there's a sense of something greater that is going to ultimately prevail because of Ahsoka's optimism. And so uh, I, yeah, I just, I feel like this, this was intentional and let's get into the episode itself and let's talk about some of the things that we saw because we saw a lot. We we saw a lot and some characters that we were... Let's, I'm going to start with Balin Skull, all right? So we'd only see Balin Skull for 30 seconds in this episode. But that's a big 30 seconds. As we see Balin Skull standing atop a statue. And it's not just any statue. And this is where I think that Dave... This is, this is one of my quibbles with this show and something that I want to know from you guys, if I'm being too hard on this, because as a fan of Marvel movies and things that Marvel does, the assumption you're, you're laughing, but the assumption that star Wars series makes about what people have and haven't seen, is it equivalent to what Marvel does and its assumptions of what people have and haven't seen? Because Balin skull is standing on top of these, these statues. And these statues are considered the, like, immortal embodiment of force from the Mortis realm. The father, the son, and the daughter. The father depicting balance, the son representing the dark side of the force, and the daughter representing the light side. And him, father in the middle, balancing the two. And that is a, like, if you watched The Clone Wars which is where those pop up, it's a markout moment. But even as someone who's watched The Clone Wars, I had to be like, is is that, is, and like, I had to go back and be like, I think this is it. And it was, what does it all mean? I never get that sense from Marvel films. And I don't know if it's because Marvel assumes that you've just watched everything that they put out MCU wise, or if, or if it's just that I'm so entrenched with Marvel that I, I just have, like I'm stronger with Marvel than I am Star Wars. And so, the, the connections are are stronger there. Um, but that's a that's a big deal. And Balin Skull isn't dead. Balin Skull is still with us. That means we're gonna have a Balin I, I think that means we're gonna have a Balin Skull in season two. And so I'm I'm intrigued. I love there was a suggestion that floated around the internet that I shared with Dave and I didn't share with anybody else. I'm gonna talk about it in a second. I want to get you guys thoughts. But let's start with this first point. Does Star Wars go to insider baseball or am I imagining it? Dave, I'm going to start with you. Then. Yes and no. Because this is the second thing, because you just talked about the bird, yeah, too. And that's I think I would a little say, insider baseball, too. I would say yes and no. I mean, Marvel's a little bit different because they do assume that you've watched every live action movie in the MCU, and so you know everything. 
Star Wars is a little bit different because there may be um, an assumption that everybody's watched Clone Wars and Rebels, and a lot of people won't because of that animation aspect of it. So I looked at it more as like Easter eggs sorts of things. If you had no familiarity with Clone Wars or what was going on, you would see Balin standing atop some some statues and say, he's still alive. What is he looking for? If you are like us who've watched Clone Wars and know what the Mortis gods are, you come to the realization that what Balin is probably looking for is that elusive balance in the Force. You know, Anakin was supposed to bring balance to the Force, not leave it in darkness. Balin, I think, is trying to find that elusive balance in that. Go ahead, Tony. To Dave's credit, because he won't toot his own horn, and, and Patrick, and both of you have kind of been on and off a little bit here during this series. Dave has been talking about that for Balin Skull the entire time for this series, especially after like the third, fourth episode. Like You've kind of been in touch with that already. Right, and I think that at the end of this whole thing, that is what he is doing. There's something on Peridia that... You know, and, and now, like you're saying, Mortis, the Mortis gods were on a different planet entirely in Clone Wars. So they've kind of taken that. And and it's interesting. It's like, well, you know, this is maybe where they originated. There's still the prevailing theory that Peridia might be where the force originated. I don't know. But I do like I, I do think that, yes, there's insider baseball involved. It helps immensely. I don't think it's a game breaker as far as like, you know, if you don't know what's going on, all you know is Balin's alive. He's looking for something. Um, if you know, you know, that sort of thing to your second point, he's alive. They're going to have, I mean, you know, rest in peace, Ray Stevenson. We've all lamented his loss and what a tremendous performance he had in this series. They're going to have to recast him, obviously, if they're going to continue on with this thing. And I know like the idea that you shared, Pat, I think is, is excellent. And we'll talk about that more, but you know, I mean, the wishy-washy answer is yes and no. There are elements of it that certainly it's like. You know, like what Marvel does, it's right there. Star Wars is calling back a little bit more to a wider um, scope of things, you know. So that's that was my thought on it. Go ahead, Ray. To, my answer is no, it's not to Insider Base. Um, I, I'll cite you two things. Number one, to your Marvel point, um, Marvel has trained us to be vigilant and prepared. Um, the uh, very, very clever usage of their post-credit scenes has made people say, oh, I got to figure out what this is. Let me be prepared for the next movie. Star Wars has not done that. Star Wars, has, Star Wars, their cinematic television universe has not prepared us in any way for any of this. It's just been shows after shows after shows after shows. And if we're honest, with, if I'm honest with you, most of these seasons are anthology-like seasons because what do we talk about in both the first two seasons of Mandalorian? It's Mandalorian does this, Mando does that, Mando does this. All the connective tissue doesn't come until later in the season there's episodes that feel very separate from each other whereas everything in mcu is 100 percent cohesive it's in a way right linear right mcu is linear a thousand percent linear they're trying to tell the story linearly linearly you get the point second thing <laughs> is, yeah exactly yeah yeah see <laughs> maybe 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 i'm the tutty for the day <laughs> in, in a linear um, well, that works too. Yeah. So um, you... I was trying to use big words, but that didn't work yeah. today. The yeah. and to, to back to the Star Wars thing, Dave hit on it fantastically. The guy that that was pointed to was me. I ain't watched Clone Wars. I probably won't. I ain't watched Rebels. Probably won't. I have no idea what in the hell that was. But you know what? I'm intrigued. What's this big old face with this dude's? What's this big old mind with the dude's face on it? Hmm. I need to look that up. I think for we call it the Nerdosphere, right? 
that's the name I think that you came yeah. up with. When it's all of these these uh, mediums that are in that are considered what we consider in the quote unquote nerdosphere, the majority of people watching are gonna be people who are deeply deeply into it. So there, but there's also gonna be, especially when it's stuff like Star Wars or Marvel or DC that has global outreach that's gonna make millions of dollars in various forms. It's gonna be casual people who enjoy it because it's something to watch or it's popular, right? I don't know this stuff. I watch it. I know the the original nine movies, but I don't know none of the other stuff. So you got to keep those people, the people who are diehards, you got to give them something to always be like, ah, this is between us. We know this, but they don't. I can't tell you how many times people see Marvel movies and they'll call me directly after the Marvel movie. Okay, Rance, tell me what this is. I get that all the time by like multiple oh, yeah. people because they my, know my I boss, know. Every, my boss, every time I come back after a Marvel movie, wants to know what the deal is. 100%. So I don't think it's Twin Sider Baseball because they haven't trained us to be prepared for this. And the people who know can have the conversations like we're having on this glorious and esteemed podcast. Hey, Tony, anything to add there, my friend? I, I would say Star Wars is more like filling in the holes as more as much as Marvel is advancing the storyline. Don't you think? Because a lot of times we're talking about the same timeline in Star Wars to a certain extent. Uh, I got a thought on that. You're smiling because I know what you're. I know what I got an idea what you're thinking. Go ahead. I think Mark. the amount of I, I, I'm going to say it. I think the amount of water that these series have had to carry over the shitty J.J. Abrams series, um, and for the shitty J.J. Abrams series has driven me nuts. And I think it has. I, I think it's gotten better, but I still am annoyed with the burden that that series put on other stuff. And you know, even even in this where we're we're progressing towards the first order because eventually we have to get to the first order like we have to because disney's going to be too stubborn to be like we fucked this up with our first trilogy they're just not going to do it they're not going to do it it's and we we all do media in another industry with another company that does not like to admit that they fucked up and this is to me this is is still something that they're piecing together to get to the first order and it you know it really came to light at the season finale of the mandalorian this past season we continued a little bit we name dropped moff gideon and his death now we we've got thrawn back i loathe i loathe that we know a bit or i don't not know that there's a sense of inevitability as to where this goes with thrawn because we know where we're where what we have on the other side of it. And to me, that is a fundamental problem with those movies. So that it's an old soapbox. I've been on it before, but I, it's for me, it's hard to really truly get excited about what this is all going to look like and mean, because I know where it's going eventually. I think the bigger question is, and like you said it before, Pat, they're retconning the sequel trilogy with these series. Um, My biggest question is, at the end of all this retconning, does it make the sequel trilogies better? You know, and I know they're trying to make it connect. Can it? I think, I think they're trying to make it make sense. Yeah, Mandalorian's a great, that... great series. This was a very, a very good series. I don't know if it, if it'll have enough of a carryover effect to make the sequel trilogies oh. any better. Gage is holding that... on its own, though, at some point, and just look at it and go, okay, I really like the way they told that part of the story. Sure, but to Dave's point. Part of it feels like, like to me, it's a make it make sense sort of thing. And okay, we're going to make it make sense. Those were bad movies, guys. 
like they were. They just they they were bad movies, and and that's even my favorite of the three. Or your like, and yes, we all know how I feel about the Rise of Skywalker. They're bad movies. Does retconning and making the the timeline make sense? Make them suddenly good movies? I don't think so. When the special and, edition and I, comes out, adding can, in thirty can, minutes of extra scenes, it'll. And I, I know we all have. We're not going to talk about um, your favorite Zack Snyder movie, but I give you one that I think we can all acknowledge is better now due to history. Age of Ultron. A lot of people didn't like Age of Ultron in the moment. What we've seen afterwards that has made Age of Ultron make a lot more sense. I think a lot of us look back on it with a lot more favor. Is that not fair? It, it's hard for me to assess because I I liked it. Okay, uh, that's fair because I loved it too. It but it's also my, big, my, my least so. favorite. My least favorite Iron Man movie is, or favorite uh, Marvel movie is Iron Man Two because it felt like such a big commercial for the Avengers that it really didn't tell a good Iron Man story, in my opinion. So for so, but I, I do see your point. I do think that Age of Ultron has gotten a second look in a way that has changed a lot of people's opinion of it, and it may very well be due to the amount of things that people are like, oh my gosh, well, now this makes all this sense. In Age of Ultron, this happened, and now we're getting this. So I, I absolutely hear what you're saying. Um, but I, I'm the wrong person to ask because I, I enjoyed Iron Man. That's fair. That's fair. That's the only one I could think off the top of my head that but you would acknowledge. That's a good point. Because me and Dave firmly think uh, Justice League was a better movie with the recut, but that's a different movie. Age of Ultron hasn't changed since it came out. Hey, it's just we know more. Yeah, Tony thinks... Snyder Cut was a better movie than the original. I mean, not that's a low bar to clear. That's yeah, it's sure. very low. It's very low. But here, well, here's the thing. Story. I I think Snyder, I think the Snyder Cut is a better version of the original Justice League film. I just don't think it was a good at all. I don't think it was good. I think it was narratively still pretty weak, even though it was better. And it was to Zack Snyder. It's just I, I also don't like Zack Snyder as a filmmaker. And none of this has anything to do with Ahsoka. Let's get to a couple of other things that happened during that episode so that we can get to our first commercial break and then talk about Loki. Um, we also, Sabine Wren, uh, we've talked about it a couple times, finally started to realize a little bit of her potential there, able to use the Force in a couple of different ways, gets Ezra onto the ship, Ray's favorite Star Wars character of all time. Uh, and they, no. he, he's still mad at her. He's still no, mad at her, aren't you? I'm not mad. I'm just annoyed because, like, there's always a character in shows or movies or series that does stupid things for no other reason than they got to have something to fix. Nothing okay. she's done in this yep. entire series has made sense. And no wor worse than all of that, no one's called her out for it when Ezra figured out what she did. What did he say? Eh, we'll figure it out. What? Somebody yell at this girl I mean, time. he's kind of a... At peace with himself, monk. So I guess you know. I feel you. <laughs> I feel you. But he's at peace with himself, monk, who was trained and prepared to fight to the death to save the universe. And the person who's gonna destroy the universe, you just gave the keys to get back. I, sorry, just it, no, no, I, I get you. Yeah, man, I, she, I, she just, she makes my blood boil, bro. But, but Sabine used the force. She got, got a lightsaber. I'm very happy for her. I'm very happy for her that she's figured it out. But it it's sad that it took again narrative. It took all of this for her to be like, oh, it was in me all along. Well, what do you think the girl been trying to tell you? Come on. I mean, Tropy's got a trope. You got <sighs> you got the trope. I'm sorry. Dave, let, me, let me get off my high horse real fast. 
Well, I think this is all mad. Yeah, I know. But uh, I think the Sabine moment, it's like to me, I'm watching this and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm not leaving my, my I'm not leaving my wingman. Right. That it, this felt like Top Gun to me. She's standing there. Ezra's like, we got to go. She's watching back. Ahsoka is in the midst of this battle with, you know, we haven't even talked about the zombie troopers yet. We got that one right. You know, that actually happened. Um, but yeah, it was just like Sabine's like, I'm not leaving my wingman. And she goes there and she proudly saves Ahsoka in that moment because Ahsoka wasn't going to beat all of those without Sabine's help. So it's it, with all due respect to Ray's opinion. And I agree with him. They tried to redeem her there, Ray, by showing she no. learned from her mistakes and no. she's sticking by Ahsoka in the end of this thing. No. Even though she lets her go ahead. You gave up the you gave up the galaxy. I know that. I'm but saying they're boy, no. trying to redeem her at the end here. No, I, I feel you, but what I'm saying is you gave up the galaxy for this boy that apparently you like but don't like in that way. And then when you got a chance to fix the galaxy you gave up. You don't want to go back with the boy you gave it up for? They weren't going to fix anything. They were just going to be there when Thrawn got... They they couldn't stop... They knew they couldn't stop him at that point. They All all three of them knew they couldn't stop him at that point. Also, she can't leave her master, dude. That's her master. Like, she's she can't leave her, her master. Like, that's been the trope of the series. She's left for the attack. But now she's figured her shit out. She's got... Figured she's it out, Ray. Yeah, her yeah. Out. come on, Ray. Figured her shit out. Yeah. Give her some credit. She, Ray? Ray? She's where she's supposed to. Man, ah- Ahsoka, Ahsoka could have found C three PO daddy. They could have got that. They could have figured out how to get up out of there. No, they, they couldn't because it's not R two D two. Like if R two D two was there, they'd be off that. Oh, remember, they no one even knew if he could get, no one even knew he could get the <laughs> ship running at that point. So that R2-D2 may not have been an option. Fix everything. In fact, that is how episode one of season two opens. Is a portal just appears. R two D two comes in with Doctor Strange in a sling ring. And we've got a Marvel Star Wars crossover as R2-D2 starts beeping and be like, can I'm never, best ever, ever again insult the things we talk about when you're not on the show. Come on, that was funny. That was good. It was funny. That it was, was good. good. But that's what we try to do when you're gone sometimes with our crazy little funny stuff. Gamora and Drax are like. You actually believe you're funny? I, I used, you know. Um, okay, let's, Dave brought it up. Let's get to the zombies. So we did finally see zombie stormtroopers. Um, I wanted to posit an interesting theory that I, I saw online that uh, I can't remember where I got. It. I don't have the source, but this would be very interesting and very frightening because Thrawn chooses the three witches and sends the mother sisters. Morgan Elsbeth. Yeah, he, he chooses the mother sisters. I like to call them the three witches. Um, basically, they're going to show up on Hocus Pocus three. Uh, really fuck some shit up. They're, they're the new Sanderson sisters. Now, see, now you've opened the floodgates since you called me out, and it's my show. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You Iron Fist! And they're going to be called... They're going to be called... Books that are t- uh, wrestling on DWI. Tony, they're going to be called the Great Motherfuckers, uh, and Samuel L. Jackson will be with there with them. <laughs> Thrawn's, Thrawn's mother survives. Anyway, wow. he, sends Mor- he sends Morgan Elsbeth to slow down Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra... With with the troopers that go in with the knowledge that they will become zombies after they are killed. So first thing we learn is that the existing stormtroopers that we saw weren't zombies yet. They were still alive until they were killed. However, the two super troopers that um, Ezra and Sabine end up battling late, they appeared to be a little further along dead. So maybe there's some, but not all. One of them had his jaw hanging out of his mask. I right. think he's dead. It was not. It was not pretty. 
He's pretty so, dead. We talked about the levels of troopers that they had, Dave, when they were introduced. These could have just been a higher level of trooper because there definitely were differentiations between the classes of troopers that Thrawn had on the ship. The two that, like Pat's saying, the two that Sabine and, and uh, yeah. Ezra are fighting, they're undead. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Like they, like their their stages of decay were really gross. It's kind and of that's bizarre. where Sabine's uh, power of the Force really kicks in. There, she's being choked out and just kind of connects. Well, when you stop thinking, you can do stuff. Uh, but Sabine hasn't been thinking the entire season. Um, Jedi, is, is, let, it, let, it someone, go, let it go, Ray. No, no, no. Can all right, all right. can can someone help me uh, understand what's oh, the significance of? Of Morgana becoming Beyblade, what's the significance of that? The blade of Talzin, <laughs> whatever so it's called. She it was, was dope. Basically, I just want to know what the significance. Yeah, was. so she was given. She was gifted the blade of Talzin. Again, this is something that if you've seen Star Wars Rebels, uh, or was it Clone Wars? One of the two. It appears Mother, in it Mother Talzin, right? She was the one who had right. the blade. Right. Mother Talzin, who had that blade that you know allows it to fend off lightsabers and fight them. But again, it's made through witchcraft. It's not made made through the the Force. Because witchcraft has existed in these series, this is the first time we've seen it in live action. I want to ask uh, you guys specific to this exact thing happening. Is Elsbeth a one in a line of women who accept this from the sister mothers or whatever they're called to become their assassin? Has there been other people to hold this well, mantle? I don't know that she that she was fully brought into the sisterhood. Like right. that's but that's I, kind of the way I understood not a part it. of their like reckoning or decision making. She was literally just a blade at their at her their disposal. In the end, yeah. But she, if you notice, and this is something that was very telling, when she leaves and Thrawn says for the Empire, as she's walking away, she says for the Sisterhood. So she is not doing it for him. She is fully in as part of this coven. Um, and and she knows that she's going to her death. Like, she knows. Yeah, she uh, which, for, which for me is a little sad because we've had this interesting, compelling character. And she, again... This is a character that has existed on other shows, um, but and, and I'm fine with the way. Like, I'll put it. To, I'll, I'll say this: I'm more okay with the way Morgan Elsbeth passed than I will be ever. I will never forget. Probably one of the reasons I'm so mad at Boba Fett, Cat Bane. Like the way they killed Cat Bane, that sucked. Sucked. It was terrible. But anyway, um, dogs are all of this. It was. If you know anything about Cat Bane, like that was a shitty way to kill him. Anyway. I want to get to, we've been talking about this cargo that, you know, we've been waiting to get on the ship. And we have long been speculating that it, that they are dead stormtroopers that are going to be brought back, which is possible. But somebody floated an interesting theory. And what if they're not all stormtroopers? What if some of them are some of the dead witches that have been there on that planet over time and are being brought back too as part of Thrawn's plan? Well, to well, infect the galaxy. There's a strong reason why that might be true, because look where Thrawn right. goes. He goes to Dathomir, which is the source of the witches, whatever their you know, necromonicon sort of shit going on where they can raise stuff from the dead. Um, it, to me, it's very telling that that's where he goes. He goes to Dathomir, not any not where we last saw him when the Purgle took him. He goes to their home planet. That, I think, it raises the stakes that whether it's all stormtroopers, whether it's witches, whether it's some combination, they're going to be raising a legion of the... It's like fucking Blackest Night, Ray, going on out here. They're just raising dead shit to fuck with the uh, the universe. So I think, yeah, I, that's a high likelihood. Can I tell you why Thrawn is dope to me? 
on top of all this because I I love how he's just he's he's the most he's the most like acceptable like dastardly person I've ever met. This is acceptable to me. What what was the funniest part of the entire show or the dopest part, depending on what you think, is at the end when like they got off the planet and they were coming after him and he was like, "Hey yo, they got a radio." <laughs> Let's talk to them. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? I got to give you credit. You did good, but uh, it's over. I just wanted you to know. That's so to, to echo Ray's point, he's a brilliant military strategist because he does stuff. He's got an overall goal that he wants to do, and he'll take a few risks here and there, but nothing over the top that's going to jeopardize the purpose. Send out mm-hmm. a couple of send out a couple tie fighters. If they blow them away, great. If not, oh well. Nothing lost. It's like little calculated gambles that he does to try and, you know, you take a risk here. Okay, that didn't work. That's fine. We didn't lose anything. So Thrawn is by far and away the most brilliant military strategist that we've seen. And I've even seen rumors that season two of Ahsoka is going to be called Heir to the Empire, which I would be like, fine, let's do it. <laughs> so Adm- Admirable, Admiral Thrawn Schwarzkopf, apparently. He, I feel- uh, there's such a ridiculous dichotomy between the scenes that like Sabine and Ezra and Ahsoka have together with each other and the scenes that Thrawn and his cohorts surrounding him have together because there's so much credibility and and suspense and and anticipation in what Thrawn's doing. And I literally found myself in one point of the episode when Sabine and Ezra, I think, were having an interaction or it was Ezra and Hera or whatever. I'm like, that was so fucking hokey. You know, and I, that's my problem that's with this Jedi, series. Bro. It's not... Why it's not higher up, you know, like like Mandalorian or things of that nature, or or like a streaming series like Loki we're about to talk about. But Jedi or Hokey dog, that's just what I it know. is, bro. I like what they're doing. I just there's some parts of it where you do just kind of have to, you know. Luckily, we're wrestling fans. We're used to having to just go take a bathroom break once in a while. Anyway, I uh, I, I disagree a little bit, um, kind of, sort of, completely, but that's fine. Um, all right, let's. Uh, before we walk away, uh, we didn't really we didn't really talk about uh, what happened with um, oh shit here we go drink uh, Shin uh, Shin at the end she's kind of lost she's amongst the uh, the raiders at the end holding up her lightsaber it looks like she's gonna take charge of that bitch uh, to start uh, we'll see where that goes and how far that goes but she's looking to find a place where she can exert some control looked like a real cake or death moment there didn't it. It very much did. I, I very much like it, it's weird to me. I had this vision of uh, Anakin looking at a bunch of sand people if they didn't uh, do what she said, like they were all going to die. I don't think they're going to die. I think they're going to respect that power. She, she, how we spoke about tropes a lot, right? How often is it the trope that the, the apprentice is a bit too um, ambitious for the teacher, right? And she was very, Baylin Skull would be telling the stuff. She'd be like, but why? Like, she was really. She, she was Anakin was, Skywalker. Yeah. Like, Anakin Skywalker was horrible. Like, that was his thing. Like, he was impatient. He was ambitious. He thought he was better than everyone. Well and he said. learned the hard way. Well Dude, I think. Don't you think, I, though, I she think though, thinking that Balin was more towards leaning towards the evil side instead of the, you know, balance? No, he's always If been that were me. true, Sonny, if that were true, they would both have red lights in. And, and that's the thing is like they didn't have red lightsabers. And for all of the things that ultimately are true, she does not in Star Wars. No, she doesn't. It was orange. It's that an orange lightsaber. Lightsaber. 
She held up. At the no, end, at the end it looked the red to me. That's because it was dark. I, I'm telling you, it's it's still orange right now. <laughs> I think she's still position of the third son of Peridia Ray hey, was in the wrong anyway, place. Anyway, here's the thing. That's my I, let me tell you why I don't think she's full dark side, guys. And you can call me a nerd all you want. Fuck you guys. I don't care. You don't know what you're talking about. If I'm dissing you, I'm dissing me, big dog. What's the time? Dave, it was like 51 minutes in. Now, fuck you guys. You got to get that. So here's the thing. We end episode seven with a very confused shit. She's in the balance. She's not. She's not committed yet. Right now, she's just fine. She is basically ending this season where Ahsoka started and Sabine started trying to figure out their fucking place in the that's where i see it her world got turned upside down as you guys noted when balen skull said no this is where we part ways my destiny's this way and she doesn't know her destiny she thought she did and she says no and then she has this moment with ezra ahsoka and sabine at the end of episode seven where they don't try to kill her and that's what she's expecting them to do and they offer their hands and she is confused and lost and doesn't know where to go so she goes someplace that's familiar and comfortable, and we'll see how that goes because she knows she can take control of that. And so I think this is a matter of control. I don't think she's full dark side yet. And your lightsaber doesn't turn red. You have to choose a different crystal, guys. That's going full nerd. Boom, done. Drop Let me ask a question though about the father and the daughter and the son, right? Or the father, yes. son, daughter, right? So yep. the father originally wanted Anakin to take over his position to keep. The, the piece, he right? Believe that Anakin was the yes balance of the force, he and that's clearly that clearly looks like what his role is right now in that middle world, doesn't it? I mean, considering what he did with Ahsoka, I I don't know, but could you see Balin going more so towards into that father role, aspiring? I think that's what I think that's Balin's hope. Yeah, I absolutely think that's Balin's hope. So, last thing I wanted to talk about with this episode, we as Dave mentioned, Ray Stevenson is, has passed. Uh, Balin's skull has not. And it was left with a pretty big thread at the end of that uh, season eight, uh, season or episode eight finale. I, I shared this with Dave, one of the internet suggestions out there that I, I found very intriguing and think would be good. But I wanted to hear some casting suggestions after I throw this one out there. Leif Schreiber replacing Ray Stevenson as Balin's skull. That was the, the one that I saw. Sonny, you're laughing. Why are you laughing? Because yes, he, he was just, he's hard, he's the hard knocks guy now with Aaron Rodgers doing the whole thing with the, sorry, you didn't watch it. It's okay. I don't. Are we going like suggestions as to who we think? Sure. Like who could be, who could be cast you know, in that role? The I, other, the other thing is, is the resemblance between the two is kind of uncanny. It is. Like they do kind of look alike. They do. I think like, I look at Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate and Black Adam and think, hmm. Maybe that might that might be something that could work. Can he bulk up? He probably could. But you I mean, can, man, you could, but you could put a suit on him, um, CGI something. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think of guys who you know can pull off that color hair, that beard, and I know it doesn't matter because they've got hair color and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I, I look at Pierce's performance as Doctor Fate, and I'm like, hmm, that might work. That's something. Um, y'all gonna laugh at this, but he 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 got he he played something. Not too dissimilar in DC. Liam Neeson. Who do you possible? Ray Salgul. Oh yeah, yeah that well. Yeah, yeah maybe. He got he had. I'm I'm looking. I'm trying to think of people who have. I'm looking at the I'm, height and the size. I'm thinking more of the voice. You know, uh, Ray Stevenson's okay. voice. And but I think How you're about, right. Liam Neeson that could work. 
Go ahead, Patrick. You go first, then I'll go after you. Sean Bean. Okay. But then he'll die in the first episode, and that'll fucking suck, man. <laughs> fair, fair. It's true. Josh Brolin? Does Brolin yeah. want it? Is he, is, does Brolin want to deal with another is nature? That, I, thought, I thought we were just putting people up that would be good for it. I mean, who knows if any of these people want it? Yeah, Brolin none of these people. He of, may take it. He's listening. <laughs> yes, Sean Brolin, big fan of the show. Paul Shore. How about Paul Shore? It's like Pauly Shore here. Okay. All right. On that note, that, I'm going to close the book. We've got a good hour, strong segment with Ahsoka season one finale. Excellent. Um, I don't know that we'll go an hour with Loki season two, episode one, but there is a lot to cover. And we're going to cover it when we come back from this commercial break. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds. Patrick O'Dowd, Ray Cash, PC Tunney, David Ungar, Chairshot Radio Network, chairshot.com. Hashtag always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. And make sure if you love us, like, subscribe, however you do it on all those podcasting networks, and then head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash TheChairShot and invest in some sweet, sweet ChairShot swag. We got all kinds of designs available for you at the low, low, low price of $19.99. Spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Tony, you all right there, buddy? I'm okay. I've raised one of Ray's guys, 15, just had a touchdown go between his hands. No big deal. Oh, okay. So sports, 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 Aguilar. Yep. All right. Fantasy football teams are struggling. We are recording Bandwagon Nerds. Loki, season two, episode one, dropped this past Thursday on Disney Plus. And guys, a lot of shit happened. A lot of. A lot of shit happened, and I mean, this episode immediately changed where you thought the episode ended. Because when you end season one, Loki has been transported back from the end of time by Sylvie to the Time Variance Authority. He sees these statues of who we know will be Kang, the Conqueror, and we are given the presumption that time has changed but we're in the timeline that we've been working with from the beginning like kind of back in that presence and that people don't remember that remember him because his mind is wiped and we immediately come back to that nobody knows who loki is he freaks out he starts trying to run away and then he's pulled in some weird warpy thing that looks kind of uncomfortable uh to discover himself in the past he's pulled into the future and he's pulled kind of all over the place and you learn that where he initially returned wasn't the present and it wasn't that everybody's memory was wiped he had actually been pulled into the past and they hadn't met him yet and it wasn't until you kind of go through the series of events that you learn oh my goodness he's 
with with the problems that are going on with all these branches that are happening with the timeline, Loki is being jerked through time all over the place. We get introduced to some a very memorable character. We were all I I think I I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I was very excited to see what we would get out of Kihui Kwan and to see him playing Obi. Uh, I, I, it was exciting that we got to see a little. We got to see that B fifteen looks like she's going to have a, a much more significant role this season than in season one. Very very exciting, and that we're going to get to see a couple of. I think there's going to be some more character development from some of the other hunters too. X five who who comes in and, and plays a little bit of a significant role. D ninety also given a bit of a role. The character we don't see very much of until the very end of the episode, though, is Sylvie herself. Uh, as this whole episode centers around fixing Loki and pulling him safely back into the time stream through all of these multiple branches. And it is a reuniting of Loki and Mobius uh, with some challenges trying to figure out what the greater problem is. Like I said, ton of stuff going on. I'll, I'll start with Ray. Ray, where do you want to start? Well, first and foremost, I want to thank whatever you want to thank, whoever you want to thank, that Kihoi Kwan is back in acting, bro. He's so good. He's so good. That that was just a a, a pleasure to see his character. Um, you also, have, you have one hour. You have five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> epic, man. So good. And um, also, Tom Hiddleston is and and he's any great, bro. Like you can, a lot of times you watch shows, right? And there's there's set chemistry, and then there's like chemistry in which you feel like these dudes been working together for like 15 years. Like this cast feels like it's been working together forever because like they are on point with it. They're so good with each other. Um, the story was fun because the Loki basically going from being the biggest mis- the god of mischief to being like a like everybody's favorite good guy um, is kind of a beautiful thing because even in a way. Through all this happening, Loki thinks that I do something, and he's trying to explain it to everybody. Nobody wants to listen, and he gets to Mobius, and Mobius is like, "Who the hell are you?" You know, like it. What I thought, what I thought was a fun twist was Patrick talked about was that we were really in the past, not in a different timeline. And so when he's talking with them in the whatever room that is where they're trying to figure out what's actually happened, and he finally gets in there after thirty minutes of the episode. And he hits the wall with the pruner and it shows Kang's face, the, the faces of Kang. And everybody was like, what? I think that it's such a clever twist because all the commercials seeing them being pulled and ripped, we all thought he was going through timelines. No, he was in the same timeline at the same places. And it was so re- it was really cool how they showed it when he was talking to OB and OB was like, I, I, why would I have uh, such and such and such? Oh, wait. I have a such and such and such. Like, it's, it's fantastic. Um, also, uh, Mobius, Owen Wilson's perfect for this because kind of that, uh, that, <laughs> and when he's like, yeah, you know, you got to go set, go outside into all the storm and, you know, you might lose your skin. He's like, oh, great. No skin. That sounds fun. <laughs> it's just a fun episode, a great way to re-ingratiate us into the world. And a great way to kind of set the threat that we have, because it's always something to me in shows like this when the most powerful character shows fear. 
Loki by far is the most powerful character in the series. Forget the fact that it's his series, but in terms of a power base. And he's horrified. And not only is he horrified, but he's horrified because everything they thought was wrong was right. And not everything that was right is wrong. And he's trying to, doesn't know how to fix it, doesn't know where Sylvie is. We, I know there's lots of little Easter eggs and points we want to go through for, but I just think it's such a fantastic first episode to start with. I, if, the, if the series is going to be this good, we're in for an all-timer. Anybody, yeah, somebody else chime in. Go for it. There's two other of you who have yet to speak. It's a great first episode. It's interesting, though, we talk about Loki being like a good guy, though. Is he good guy? Or is he just still just kind of serving his own interests, right? Like, and it just kind of co-aligns with what the people who are good are doing. Anyway, I thought it was great, though. It, like, a lot of the things I watched this weekend had to do with time travel, and it was really interesting. They both kind of explained them the same way. Um, and, yeah, I think the first clue we got that he was in the same timeline was it was called time slipping and not timeline slipping. So... I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah, I mean, the interaction and the acting here is such the antithesis of what we've witnessed um, and a lot of Ahsoka. So it was amazing this morning, the kind of ups and downs I went through watching Ahsoka first and then Loki. Um, so <laughs> real, real quick, everyone, only Tony thinks the acting was trash in Ahsoka. So can you, can you please not speak for the entire bandwagon? Bad. I'm just, I'm I'm just saying, I think the acting is fine, sir. Majority of people in the world would agree. No, not really. I asked him. Did you? You yeah. polled everybody? I mean, Ray definitely doesn't agree with your belief on uh, Rosario Dawson's acting. I'm just saying. See, there you go. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on my, Loki, because we're talking about Loki, not Rosario Dawson. By the way, to be fair, I don't care how good she, good or bad she acts. She's Rosario fucking Dawson. You, see how that's kind of skewed, though? Exactly. There you go, Patrick. That's the but she's of, a good actress. She's Dave, a good actress. Dave how, how did Rosario Dawson do as Ahsoka? She was Is she fine. a bad actor? She was fine. I think, you know. That's good. Not, no, it's not, not good. It was not fine. Kay. I mean, she was. Uh, no, don't start that. No. She was. It's like you said, the younger Ahsoka comparing her as a more seasoned Ahsoka. Was, yeah, she was. Well, good. I, guess I actually the liked Flash, the Flash was good. Right, Patrick? Uh, no, the Flash was terrible. <laughs> like, I didn't even say the Flash was fine. The Flash was terrible. And you guys hated it worse than I do. That's so nice true, try. Man. Like. Um, Going back to Loki, I thought this was a really, uh, really good first episode as well. Crazy, crazy stuff going on. I mean, just like nutty stuff happening. Um, in the end, Ob and 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 uh, Mobius and and Loki are trying to, I guess, what prune the time stream from going completely out of control, and they are are largely successful. But yeah, it was it was interesting just going through that episode and trying to you know figure out okay, yeah, like you're saying, Pat, everything we thought we knew, we didn't really know. And these aren't these aren't various timelines. It's the same timeline, just different points in it. And I thought, like you guys are saying, Hiddleston did a tremendous job. Ob is like my new favorite character. I really hope we get more of him in this series. Oh, Ob is going to be everybody's favorite character. Like, there's, I, I think without a doubt, we're going to see a lot of Obi love going through this season. And for me, I. Yeah, I know you were talking a little bit about the like him discovering like I don't know how to do this, and then all of a sudden I know how to do this. But to me, even from the trailer, the the highlight for myself and the little O'Dowd who watched this whole episode and love like Obi's going to keep him watching this show like without a doubt. But when he's like, "Oh, time slipping," and and Mobius is like, "So you've seen it before?" Yes, you can fix it. No, that's it's just. Like, hilarious and and Quan's delivery is just so perfect and then yeah when he's talking about 
you know, your skin might get ripped off. And then Mo- Mobius being like, well, that's terrible. And then he's like, well, it's not as bad as what could happen to Loki. And he describes like Loki, like completely being disintegrated by atoms. And Mobius is like, yeah, but my skin will be ripped off. And like Mobius is still more concerned about himself than, than Loki. Owen Wilson has another great line where he goes, I have no recollection of having my memory erased. Right. It's, it's hilarious. It's really, really good stuff. I, I thought the way that they handled like time travel was really clever in this thing where things that you pick up on, like especially Loki as he goes along realizing, okay, this is the past, this is the future. And there's little teeny things, the crack in the seal, you know, like you guys were saying, the writing on the, the writing on the wrote skin on the side of the machine, you know, and that sort of thing. So I thought they handled that really well. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very fun opening episode to get this whole thing going. Can I just say something real quick to foreshadow something down the road at the end of this episode, because the way time travel was explained in another thing I watched and it held true to what we watched here was the same timeline traveling within it is like a river. And when you jump upstream, you only affect what happens downstream. You're, that's saying, a lot what you're saying Loki's a salmon, is what you're saying. You took it right out of my mouth. I was like, <laughs> there's a title for the episode. Are we salmon fishing? <laughs> no, but time always flows forward, like like a river. And if you go backwards, it doesn't affect anything behind it because it all flows forward. And that's kind of what happened here because that's how the crack got in the floor. It, time flowed forward from where the past, it had uh, consequences. You think it really deep into this shit, bro. But what, hey, but that's but that's well, what the show invites you to you. do. But the big orange it's, ball fell out of the ceiling in the past, and that's why the crack was in the floor in the future. You know, right. Tony got the good shrooms today, the, Ray. I see. Well, but guys, I I will say this: the the show invites you to speculate. Uh, the much the same way WandaVision invited you to speculate, like it wants you to read read into everything that you see. That's why, for example, there's people running around with crazy X-Men connections because of the shape of a door in the episode that looks an awful lot like a Cerebro door from the original Fox X-Men franchise. Go back and watch. It's uh, floating around when Obi is, uh, I think it's that chamber. So it's not like, it's just what the show does and the series does. And then of course, everybody says nothing is an accident in, in the MCU and in this show. So really great stuff. The uh, the other thing I think is really interesting is the the willingness to blame Sylvie for all the problems. Like that, that's where the council for the TVA goes in this whole conversation. Is we have to stop Sylvie from doing this because it fucked everything up, and that's that's the one like sort of hangover and carryover from season one that's still here in season two. Is that the TVA has this problem with the the Loki variant Sylvie who. In the outside of the post credits tag, which how about that? We got a credits tag for the first time in a while with a little post credit scene. The only time we see Sylvie, though, is in the future as Loki is desperately looking for a pruning rod to prune himself. Uh, and she sees him and says, there you are before he gets pruned, which begs the question, who pruned Loki? He probably pruned, who pruned himself. Loki? He pruned himself. No, he was that, behind. But that's the question. Was it future Loki? pruning past loki because he knows he has to prune past loki in order to save his future self ding ding we have a winner johnny whoa part of, part what? Of... speaking of shroom can we just watch hot tub time machine and just like not think about all this nonsense so wait a minute are you telling me the back to the future is a bunch of bullshit <laughs> why can't we go in back in time and find baby thanos and you know just that's horrible <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's really funny because this does beg a question about Marvel time travel because Loki kind of did. If if the theory that Loki pruned himself is legit, Loki kind of did what they said you can't do in Endgame. That you can't go back in time to, like, because then that changes the future. I will say this, though, to that point. While that would be cool and make all the sense in the world, yeah. But wouldn't it be more fun if it was somebody else? What if it was Kang? Oh my God! If it was Kang himself, that would that would blow the doors off the place. Wow. Um, but my question is, why was Sylvia in the elevator? That's a random place for her to be. And and the phone was ringing. Who was calling? Thrawn. Your mom. Thrawn. Oh, wait, Thrawn, Thrawn was calling. Crossover time. R two D two was calling Guys, the TVA film. I didn't literally mean it's all Star Wars when I said it's all Star Wars. Okay. I mean, you've been it's saying too, like, it's, about too, three late, it's too late, Tony. Let's <laughs> let's continue the mystery train though, because where's Miss Minutes? Miss Minutes is gone. That's in this episode. And Miss, you know, we we need more Tara Strong in our lives. Where's Tara hey, Strong? Mobius Mobius was very very uh, adamant about don't call Miss Minutes. Or yes. no, no, I'm sorry, no. He said let's call Miss Minutes, and Loki was like, don't do it because right. she's involved. Because we know, because he knows, right? How how Ms. Minutes works. The the robotic head of the council sitting there in front of, and and that's the other thing is we got the judges, right? We got Judge Gamble uh, is the 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 most notable of the three. Which uh, Liz Carr, by the way, just getting all kinds of great roles right now. Good on her, uh, and is clearly the 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 lead judge in this council of judges. You got her and General Docs arguing on that council. Um, what are they in charge now? Who's in charge? What's like? There's so much that we just don't know who what's going on, and everybody's sort of scrambling to figure out what to do. They, I, I really like it. And they clearly really had like no it. idea that the timekeepers were robots. And now they've discovered right. that he who remains is the one who planted them in the first place. And he built everything. So this is all revelatory for them as they're like, listening to this, like what the fuck is going on? And then the one makes a very important decision, no more pruning. So you've got that on top of it, which, which leads to probably the most important question not asked or answered in this entire episode. Where is Renslayer? Because she's the only one that knew any of this. She was she was aware of all of this, which is why you're talking about well the judges. Renslayer was the top judge, then you had the other judges, then you had the top level of uh, of hunters down, and such so on and so forth, to the menial people, right? The guys that had the Infinity Stones in their drawers. So the judges didn't know, but they're trying to f- continue work as usual because they don't they didn't think anything was wrong until Loki popped up and told them. This is what happened. This and, and corroborating what Mobius and B-15 are telling him. Then he shows them physically with pruning the wall, which is why they're like, okay, well, we don't know what to do. So we're going to do the one thing we know how to do. We're going to go get Sylvie because that's what we were doing before this all started. I got it, Rick. She got pruned and end up on Peridia with Ahsoka and Sabine. So is, is Peridia, so was Elias guarding Peridia? There you go, Ray. Crossover there. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I'm sorry for creating this monster. This is all my fault. Like, I really have to own this one. In fact, I'm going to own it like this. Like, I deserve this. <laughs> I'm really sorry, you guys. Um, oh, wait, no. I'll, I'll do the whole boom. I won't, I won't cut it short. That's, that's my fault. My bad. My bad. Um, and then just for being right. It's, I mean, it's, it's what we do. To be fair, 
I probably earned it some kind of way. I just don't know what I did, but I probably earned yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, can you just do me, just say something about Crystal Ball real quick. Just, you know, get that out of the way. Hey, that boy Crystal Ball was Crystal Balling. There you go. Now you can do that. All right, done. Don't, don't want to do that. Though. Ray, is pretty a, was pretty a be the wrong hood? I'm just Dave, you know, that's... don't make me mute you. Don't make me mute you. We're getting close to muting territory now, gentlemen. All right. Um, so we do get Sylvie in the uh, in the intact scene, and I do want to talk to someone who lived during this era. Uh, I was a child during this era. Dave was older than I was during this era. Tony lived through a part of this era. How well he remembers it, who knows? But Dave, what was up with fast food chains in the eighties having dull brown shitty uniforms? Every like, and here's the thing: is I remember this clear as day. Burger King, fucking turd brown uniforms. McDonald's, turd brown uniforms. Dairy Queen. Wendy's, all of them. Why? What the hell was with the Earth Tones in the eighties, man? That's and it's horrible. The old Burger King logo. It's, if you could come back, man, I love the, the old. Burger. You're talking about a very conservative era in history, as far as businesses. So shit, are brown was the answer. That's conservative, you know. That or white. You're not going to get much more conservative than that. Can I ask though about the post credit? I got a question for you guys. Broxton, Oklahoma, 1982. Uh, if, I. Now, if you follow the comics, you know that that is where Thor rebuilds Asgard after it gets destroyed in Ragnarok. Yep. But we already know that you, there's new you, Asgard you on the Asgard. coast. So, um, yeah. What is up with that? Are those all just Asgardians hanging out and working at a local McDonald's pimping chicken McNuggets? I, I, I don't know. I well, just... Do, sorry, go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, or does she decide to plant her flag and build her own version of the Asgard thing? Maybe. That that's the thing is nothing's an accident. Like nothing is an accident. You don't tell us you're in Broxton, Oklahoma in 1982. <laughs> in 1982, without purpose. Like just maybe glorious purpose. But yeah, Thor. Yeah, New Asgard resided in, and it was uh, J. Michael Straczynski's Thor comics where that originated. Uh, not 1982, but that's also where Lady Loki first. Is in Broxton, Oklahoma. That is not an accident. It's not an accident. Easter egg. Is it an Easter egg or is it more? Ah, uh, man. Look, as much as they be moving around and be grooving and moving and 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 driving and and all that stuff, probably an Easter egg. But you know, if three episodes from now, if the Tree of Life is in the middle of downtown, I, I refuse. I, I I reserve the right to say I was wrong. Have you guys read the rumors though that the end goal is to reunite Loki with with uh, Thor? Yeah, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. I mean, yeah, at some point it's got to happen. And I worked at a McDonald's for a year. Did, Did you, you wear brown? brown. Oh, because after brown they went to red in the nineties. Right. So I was uh, yeah, I worked it was my freshman year of high school. I worked at McDonald's. Uh, yeah, I, I never got it. Yeah, I'm very interested in what that all means because we know Loki's going to find her. We know they're going to they're they're going to reunite. But does Broxton, Oklahoma, play a bigger role? You know she's supposed supposed to work there, right? Is she? (laughs) Yes, she's going to work at McDonald's. The whole TVA is coming to Broxton, Oklahoma, apparently to kill her ass. So, I mean, geez. Well, they have to find her first. They don't know where she is yet. What's in the bags? Those ain't just regular pruners. They come with some. No, no, yeah. They brought out the big guns. Like, we don't know what they're doing or why they're there, but it's going to be be dangerous. So, sweet. All right, well, we're going to get into more of this next week. Hopefully we start getting some answers. We are going to shift gears right now before we take our 
second commercial break. Uh, we are going to jump into the trailer park real quick. Only three trailers this week. Before we can do that, though, Dave, we need some beautiful banjo. Please give it to us right now. Beautiful banjo, effectively received. Three trailers. It's still spooky season. I talk, We talked about this one briefly already. Eli Roth, though, full trailer for his Thanksgiving slasher movie. And guys, please, thank you, and may I have another? He cooks a bitch! Like, in the trailer! He cooks her! <laughs> corn corn skewers in the eardrum. There, that's fucking corn brilliant. Corn skewers brilliant. in the ear. That's fantastic. This is ridiculous. This movie looks ridiculous, and I am here for it. I love the opening scene where he's like, <laughs> "All the spices got some thyme le- thyme leaves here. We're gonna sprinkle this Hell stuff yeah. on some cracked pepper. It's gonna be beautiful." Sorry, Tony. Got some. We got the premise of why of how he kills everybody though in this trailer that we didn't get before. And I remember this one right. specifically because of when he fucking puts that bitch in hot water and slams her up against the freezer door and chops her. But now we hear that everything he uses to kill someone is from the Thanksgiving table. Yes, it's so, so great. You're telling me homie was just hungry, so he went to killing people to make dinner. I it's, guess so. It's and revenge the, motivated. The part, Something happened. Where you want to kill everybody? <laughs> right. So we we do know we do get a backstory in this trailer that something you, happened. Man. Something happened. This is a killer getting revenge via Thanksgiving. Something and like we get a this small town that apparently like Thanksgiving is as big a deal as anything with their like parade and whatever their community things. Uh, by the way, I just love that Patrick Dempsey. Like I'm just like oh Patrick Patrick Dempsey in the game. I can't see that at all. The reflective light of your screen. Okay, that's delightful. Um, with the chair shot logo it is it's it's a chair shot logo on a pumpkin which has absolutely nothing to do with the thanksgiving movie we're talking about but tony's avoiding talking about the slasher movie (laughs) what are you talking about gina gershon is in this movie one of my crushes from the 90s in this movie tony you're all in aren't you in 3d on imax in that fancy curving imax screen with the shit on the walls like you saw the creator in I've the blood flies of, at you from the side. I've watched enough of these dumbass trailers to know the difference between the first and the second one, but no, I'm not going to watch this one, even though I did watch a horror movie this weekend, technically. Shame on you. Dave, yeah. come on. This looks amazing. No. Oh, this I'm, looks amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm in on this. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Give me all of the blood and guts. My, Bro, my wife has already said, my wife said, hell no, this looks disgusting. So she's out, but that's not a surprise. No, no. The answer is hell no, this looks amazing. In fact, I want it to be like one of those schlocky 1950s sort of theater experiences where they throw splatter did, blood on your face. When, this, like that. Yeah. when this pilgrim comes after people, did you Are get you a, a V? Fan? I got a V for Vendetta vibe off this guy with that mask on. I was well, like, with that mask, yeah. yes, he does very much look like the the, the Guy Fox mask. I'm um, just I'm just working on since we're gonna since we're gonna do apparently uh, thrillers and killers for every holiday. I'm working on the next couple. I'm working on. Uh, 
We did Independence Day already, huh? Can't do that. I'm working on Martin Luther King. No, we did that already. Um, these are, these are killers day? and thrillers. Nobody. We do Boxing Day. I mean, if you want for our Canadian friends, why not? For for the for oh, friends, can't wait for, for Ar- Arbor Arbor day. day. Arbor Day in the movie. Day. There you go. That's it. That's By it. the way, completely unrelated, but Dave, you are uh, you you're out there in the California. Have you done the Universal Studios like Halloween stuff this year? Because uh, they really... have a holiday themed haunted house where credit where credit is due, the St. Patrick's Day Leprechaun and the uh, Easter Bunny uh, Easter rooms are are something else. If I, I do say so myself, I want to get down there for Hollywood Horror Nights, especially because The Last of Us is the theme this year. I would love them, yeah. to go down there, but it's just finding the time and. Uh, Six Flags opened two new mazes that we need to get back up there to do those. So, yeah, they got that. Not Scary Farm has got Not Scary Farm. So they've got that. And Disney just, you know, that's not scary at all, but different. So I would love to. It's just finding the time to get down there. Fair enough. All right. Let's move on to something different. I didn't know I was going to share this trailer when I shared this trailer and put this on a rundown because I, I saw I was just like, oh, Jason, Jason Statham, he's the beekeeper. He, I, and Honestly, the the thumbnail for the trailer does not look like the movie that you're going to get. It actually looks like maybe he's doing a dramatic performance. So I hit play, and then I went, oh, this is kind of outstanding. Look, it's Jason Statham doing his version of John Wick as he brings down the system from the outside, literally blowing shit up. Uh, I just need, I, I don't know about you guys, I appreciate Jason Statham in these ridiculous movies, as opposed to the Meg and the Meg 2. I just need him kicking people in the face and blowing shit up. And that's what the beekeeper does as he avenges the death of one Felicia Rashad, which also, why why we got evil corporations taking advantage of poor old Felicia Rashad? That's just rude. They deserve to die. Like, they deserve to get blown the fuck up by the beekeeper, which seems to be some secret government agency or secret agency that balances the world when it gets out of balance i don't know i'm gonna watch all the noise it's gonna be awesome mrs huxtable dealt with enough shit i mean come on now she did she didn't need to be scammed out of all her money that was rude and so rightfully they got they got blown the fuck up she was scammed but that's (laughs) that's another conversation if you that's a different we're not not talking about that one so so i'll if i may jump in real fast because i'll be the quickest i guarantee you I just have one thought to say to y'all. Y'all can hear me, right? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, yeah, fuck, fuck them bees. Fuck them bees. So Ray's on the side of Jason Statham. Tony, come on. This looks like a good old-fashioned action flick. Looks like every other Jason Statham movie. Wow, tough crowd today. Tony, the man of many syllables. The Tony, movie could be fantastic. Dude. You just know how to mess with singers. So fuck them bees. It, yeah, it, it looks Dave, like... Yeah, Dave. it's... It's the typical Jason Statham schlock right now. I mean, that's that's really. It's, it's, I refuse to call this schlock, it's sir. It's just indistinguishable. That is not schlock. It's, the Meg is schlock. It's indistinguishable. This is not schlock. It's indistinguishable from so many other expendables sort of line of things going on. It's like, okay, fine. Jason Statham kicks the shit out of a bunch of people who deserve it. Cool. I'm fine with that. And, it doesn't mean I'm going to see it. And you know what? And you know what? Sometimes. It's okay to have that movie. Absolutely. Like, why you gotta 
Absolutely. Why you gotta, okay. why you gotta shit on Jason Statham? I'm anyway, not. so this whole so the bandwagon hates Jason Statham. That's fine. Let's move on to our last trailer. I hate bees. I mentioned the situation of the them. truth hurts for Patrick. Ray no, I'm just bees. very disappointed in you guys today. Ray, bees are essential to the ecology, <laughs> man. Man, screw uh, the ecology for giving me bees. You know, okay. so Julia Roberts is back in in in, in film apparently. Uh, Sorry, she and bees knees. All right, we're not doing this. We're just not. Yeah, both like, hands, shows knees and toes. Don't care. All right, well, let's do this, and we'll do this, and we'll go over here, and we'll do this. All right, we're moving on to our final trailer, now that I have some peace. Julia Roberts, back in a limited release, uh, at least on screens, Netflix doing that thing that they like to do. Uh, got a trailer for this movie, Leave the World Behind, headlined by Julia Roberts, Mahershala Ali, and Ethan Hawke. Seems... Um, and Kevin Bacon, because why not have Kevin Bacon in every film that you ever make? See, and he he plays like the reclusive, creepy old guy. I don't know if he's the bad guy or if he's just the reclu- reclusive, creepy bad uh, old guy that we don't trust. Uh, but it appears that it, it's based on a novel uh, by Ruman Alam. And from what I can gather, Mahershala Ali plays some sort of like security, like cybersecurity, home security advisor uh, for this family. Julia Roberts and Ethan Hawke are married and cyber shit goes haywire and the world starts falling apart in the craziest ways. And Kevin Bacon seems to be behind it or at least knows what's up. But there's like this big cyber attack. It's a lot of intrigue that we don't get a lot of answers to. We get a lot of speaking in mysterious platitudes. Given that it's Netflix, we know it'll get a limited run in theaters so that it can qualify for awards consideration, but it'll then be available in early December, I want to say. We'll start with Tony because he's taking the time to unmute himself. What do you think of this trailer and and leave the world behind? Good trailer, right? I mean, I was interested in what kind of story they were trying to tell, so I don't think this is a head to the theater for me, but um, I definitely think this is something i'll i'll uh, end up watching especially if we end up you know showing a final trailer before it comes out and you know keep it in the you know forefront of my mind uh let's see who's have gone today ray ray's unmuted himself so ray your thoughts on a family vacation on long island being interrupted by two strangers bearing news of a mysterious blackout first off let me say that tony ruined it because i i text the group besides you that we should all just be quiet since he muted us. And of course, Tony had to unmute himself and talk. <laughs> I didn't look. I'm not that way. I'm about the content. <laughs> he's about uh, the content. I love it. For the unless, it's, unless it's Rosaria Dawson interacting, then he's not about the content. Bad content. Well, for the record, you, you guys know me well and know my favorites. My favorite genre movies are what? Disaster movies. I am here for this. If this was a movie, I would be there opening night. Every single bit of this movie, I am here for. Give me more. Can it come out to date so I can watch it now? Leave the show and go watch the movie because it looks that good. I love everything about the movie. By the way, cast, amazing. And put some respect on Kevin Bacon's name, please. We always do. We love Kevin. He's the he's the world. The fan. legendary. He's the, the legendary. Yeah, the Kevin legendary Bacon. Kevin Bacon. Yeah, like. He sizzles. By the way, I got the release dates wrong. So it's actually releasing October 25th, 2023 at limited theaters. Notably, it is getting a Grauman's Chinese theater premiere. So that's kind of a big deal. Uh, before it 
It's uh, November 22nd, 2023. Uh, appears to be uh, the like big release date. So there we go. Dave, your thoughts on this. Is it a disaster movie? Is it an AI disaster movie? Is it a cyber disaster movie? Like, you know, Merzlaw at least stand at a door and like water busts through a bunch of windows. Like, what is this? But Dave, your sense. What do you think of this trailer? I was wondering the same thing as to what kind of disaster is this? It looks like some sort of cyber attack, but how would that trigger all these natural disasters on top of that? So it certainly seems like there's something more going on here than just a run of the mill. Well, not nothing's run of the mill, but some massive global cyber attack that has resulted in something happening. But yeah, with that cast, I'm definitely interested to see, see how this turns out. Interesting. Fun fact. Did you know that Mahershala Ali was not the original person cast in his role? So say it again. He was what? He was not the original person cast for this role. Who was? Uh, this, uh, Relatively unknown actor by the name of Denzel Washington. Oh, uh, Denzel I've, I've heard of him. Who's that guy? I don't know. He's only like one of the biggest what, actors. Some job. What he ever? He's some jobber, Ray. <laughs> what would he ever do? Oh, oh, he, he, oh! He cried <laughs> once in a Civil War movie. It's John Pen- David's dad. Got you. Got you. Did you say, did you say Pencil Fassington? What was his name? Pencil Fassington. Sex, all right. Sexton all right. Well, let's, okay. Okay. We are going to take our second commercial break. Is I keep opening the door and you guys keep walking through it and killing me for opening the door. So we're going to take our second commercial break, get to a couple of little pieces of news around the nerdosphere. You are listening to bandwagon nerds here on the chair shot radio network, part of the chair Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with angry lemonade. You can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network on thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Remember, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the ChairShot for all of your glorious ChairShot swag. Somebody out there got to be the third person to buy the Bandwagon Nerds shirt. Join myself and DPP and support our show. Hells yeah. Tony is laughing because he knows I speak the truth. Anyway, a couple of pieces of news around the Nerdosphere. We can't escape Union Talk, so we're going to do that to wrap up our news portion of the show. Before we do that, we did get an interesting Salt Shakers at the Ready rumor post from Verified Account. Can we get some toast? I don't know. Can you get some toast? However, they posted what they say is the release order that could be changed for season two of What If and the titles of many of the episodes, though you will note if you look at this tweet, which is all we have to go off of, is a tweet that doesn't appear to be sourced, doesn't say, um, that it's missing episode 207 in this list. It goes 201 to 210, missing episode seven or 207. So if this is the schedule, this appears to be a nine-season What If schedule And there are a lot of intriguing titles, which is always the best part of the What If series. And um, I guess I'll I'll leave it uh, to the the room. What titles struck you as interesting or unique or worth a look before I share my favorite and the one I'm most excited about? Let's go to the the Marvel expert, uh, PC Tunney. 
What strikes you when you look at these titles? What What do you got? What, what's... It's funny because I'm the one who shared this, right? Um, right. I really enjoyed What If Season 1, though, and I think it's a really fun way to play with, you know, especially uh, the original content, but even newer, even newer content that is kind of change things a little bit so you see what could have happened i brought up right away um what was it 1602 and patrick so you said that's a really interesting story and i didn't even know that was a story so what is the story of the avengers assembling in 1602 this is like this is like uh in between columbus landing and uh you know the declaration of independence oh it's yeah it's it's during like the pilgrims and early settlers uh of the colonies so 1602 is a limited run comic series authored by Neil Gaiman for Marvel in which enhanced people appear in 1602. And it's about the world responding to them within that setting. And what's interesting is that it's, it, there, there are many notable characters, Marvel characters that appear uh, and it's all their, the, uh, their characters showing up, but it's not, necessarily like the comprehensive like it's not necessarily the the avengers so much but like captain america is there uh is a uh as a character and basically what you learn is that it's actually a little bit of time tomfoolery as captain rogers steve rogers is blasted back into the 1600s and chooses to hide amongst native americans and his appearance much like the visions theory during the civil war movie prompts the arrival of other super uh peter parker is a part of it but he's a very cursory part of the first series he he shows up more in the second series but like tony stark is there the x-men play a prominent role uh victor von doom is is in it i do believe is the villains and so it's just a neat take uh, i haven't read it in a long time but i have it in I, i've got it in my long box wrapped up nice and neat some things and neil gaiman is just an amazing author uh, i really enjoyed that series i, I think it's worth reading I, I know nothing of the series, but it makes me think of what DJ brought up as far as viewing things on Max and, and the animation DC Universe and Batman by the Gaslight being set in a different part of time, right? So Right. And yeah, it was a, it was an eight inch it was an eight episode limited series. And there I, it's it's interesting because like the Fantastic Four is, is a has a significant role, the X-Men are a significant role, Nick Fury is there. Um they talk about Spider- Spider-Man is a very cursory role in that comic. Um, but it, I love it. It's very, very good. Um, Ray, I'll go to you next. Any titles that stand out to you out of this potential lineup for Marvel's What If Season 2? Man, man, dog, this is so many. This is such a dope idea, and it's so fun. I mean, um, clearly, I think all of us are interested in, in What If Strange Supreme intervened, because Strange Supreme was the one character along with uh Watu that kind of carried season one. But the other two that it def- that I find interesting are what if Hella found found the Ten Rings and what if Peter Quill attacked Earth's Mightiest Hero. Those are two that's interesting to me because just the idea of what those things could sort of bring out. Cause that because you know at the end of season one, Ego finds Quill because Quill's not Star Lord, T'Challa's Star Lord. So what could that mean? That could be dope. And whoever Kahori is, because apparently she was made for this show. So like, I mean, all the episodes I'm down with, but the but the hell of finding the Ten Rings and Quill 
Son of Ego finding attacking Earthmite's heroes could be really, really fun. There's a reason that the Peter Quill episode is the first episode of the season. 1,000%. I think great, great stuff. Dave, your turn. What do you think about this salt shaker ready list of what if episodes? Yeah, I had to look up the Kahori as well. She looks like um, like a Native American sort of hero or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be cool. I, I uh, you know, they're going to be traveling through time on this one. Um, I absolutely agree with Ray. Hella and the Ten Rings is a frightening proposition because she's a handful to deal with. Now you give her the Ten Rings on top of that. That's that's yeah, a recipe for for some disaster right there. But um, <laughs> what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? I mean, there you go. That's that's gotta be the most uplifting episode. I mean, that's that's gonna be fun. You know, there's more to Happy Hogan than getting Morgan some hamburgers and cheeseburgers and stuff like that in the wake of Tony's death. And and I think they can do a lot of fun with that because, you know, we haven't really seen Happy that much since. Well, I guess, yeah, we saw him in, in, in Spider-Man and that sort of stuff, but kind of want to see what's going on with Happy right now and how he's dealing with the uh, the death of May and where he's at. So that one's that one sounds like a fun, feel good episode. No zombies, though. I'm disappointed with that's so there fine. Is, there I is the missing we, 207, so maybe. Look, all I want to do is uh, get another round of um, the Grandmaster in some way, shape, or form. Love that character. Love um, the idea of Iron Man being the one who encounters the Grandmaster. Like, that, that's a lot. There's a lot of potential for a fun story there, right? Especially if you can bring back Jeff Goldblum to voice it. Like, I just, I think that'll be, that'll be super fun. So, before yeah. We, before I, we go, Pat, thing, I did want to point out, yep. 201, what if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? Now, we haven't got the Nova Corps yet. And I remember when the first what if was going on, we kind of speculated that would they use one if as a vehicle to bring in stuff that we haven't seen yet. I know we talked well, about Fantastic uh, the MC, Four. The MCU, no, the MCU Nova Corps has absolutely existed in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's just not the Nova Corps that uh, you're yeah, that's, referring that's to. that's true. Yeah, okay. So that's she, what you're saying. So if she's so if she's just a soldier in that Nova Corps, then that's that's a little bit different. Do we we'll, see, we'll see Sam Alexander or Richard Rogers in that? that I don't know, first, maybe that being their first introduction to the MCU proper. It might be. Um, it's it's interesting to see because there was a lot. You know, Uatu was introduced in What If, and that's the only way we've seen Uatu. So uh, would love to see him pop up in a different way as well. So we'll we'll have to see. Uh, the thing I love about What If and this is true for the comics as much as it was for the series, the, the title does not really tell you what what is going to happen. And that's always been so great. And so to see some of these get their due will be a lot of fun. And, and I'm here for it. So, all right. Last, last, last article for today. Disney just keeps getting bad news. Now, I, I shouldn't say this is bad news, but because we got a similar story a while back and we talked about how great this is. But so if you all recall, a little while back, we covered that the Marvel VFX artists voted to uh, unionize. We just this week learned that Disney VFX, VFX artists also have unanimously voted to unionize. It just doesn't stop, fellas. Here we are. Another group who, frankly, needed to unionize have done so. I keep saying this over and over and over again, and I don't know if it can get any bigger because it just seems to keep getting bigger. But we are really facing 
the most significant changes in the entertainment industry in a very, 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 very long time. Dare I say, almost in the history of the industry. Uh, and this is just another one. Thoughts on Disney VFX artists unionizing. And what's next? Um, when do the animators for Disney unionize? Have they already done that? Next week. It's probably coming next, next week. Next week? Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm legitimately asking this. Like, are they unionized? Like, it, or is it, has it always just been the Disney banking on the goodwill of, hey, I work yeah, for Disney. I'll say this. How great is that? That goodwill's gone. Anybody who's not unionized right. yet, after after this whole saga has taken place, uh, I think anybody who's not unionized is strongly looking at, let's get unionized. Because there's like, we need we need to bargain from a position of power. Unions are the only way to do that. You know, you look at any organization with unions unions involved mlb mlb pa nfl nfl pa it's the only way that shit gets done is you know with these unions of equal strength who can press on each other to get something so yeah i think if there was goodwill and a handshake deal hey this is it's going to be cool everybody who's involved in the entertainment industry is looking at this right now saying we need to watch out for ourselves screw the other guy let's get organized let's get some stuff in here where we're actually bargaining from a position of power and not just reacting to whatever's given to us. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I imagine if they're not unionized yet within the next six to 12 months, you're going to see quite a lot of them. Great. Your turn, sir. Oh, well, David said it and I've been saying it this entire time. Like of all the people to unionize with respect to the writers, the VS, the VFX workers should have done it first. They, I, they, this should have been done a long time ago. Like, I don't understand why it takes all this for people to realize what's good for them, but I'm just glad now that people are finally fighting for their livelihoods because, I mean, when you hear that people are working 18, 20-hour days, and that's, like, literally for basically scraps. It's not like they're they're doing that and coming out, like, with a hefty check. Like, they're fighting for scraps. Also, to the greater idea of the strikes in general, I just would like to let it be known, from my opinion— this is the thoughts only of Ray Cash. If you are an entity that a union strikes against you and you choose to not f- do the things to fix your strike and let them go on strike for a long period of time, and then eventually the strike ends because you gave them what they wanted in the first place, you're fucking stupid. You could have just gave them what they wanted and not lost no money. But now nah, you gave them what they wanted that you didn't want to give them. And you're out billions of dollars because you just chose to be dumb. John Oliver made that point on his show on his first show back in, in talking about the writers, uh, writers going back to work where he was like, thank you studios for agreeing to this contract that you could have just done a hundred and some odd days ago. And we wouldn't have been here. It's like, hilarious. You're, it is. It's, it's kind of ludicrous. So Dave, uh, to get to your question, I was I, while we were talking or getting to my question, it does say that uh, back on September 27th, the National Labor Relations Board has issued a direction of election allowing Walt Disney Animation Studios production employees to become uni- unionized. So, so it was last week. This is <laughs> right. Well, it, well, last week and the week before, it, they both seem to come at about the same time. It's, it's just. It's all happening all at once, whether it be VFX, whether it be animation studios. Tony, I haven't given you a chance to jump in. Uh, your thoughts on, on this news bit, uh, just, you know, to, to give your thoughts. 
it, it only makes sense to strike while the iron's hot when the momentum or, or the, the uh, change of culture is in your favor, because that's what's happening. They're changing the culture of this industry right now. Right. And here's the other thing. Um, I just want to make sure that people are clear. This is a this is a an authorization to unionize. This isn't a move to go on strike. That, that this is step one. Uh, I think is it baseless speculation to say that this is a this is a this is a step one to another potential entertainment industry strike of some sort, even if it's only for Disney. No, no, and they'd be and they'd be stupid if they didn't go on strike. Yeah, the VFX workers, they like Ray saying, they should have been the first ones to be on strike. Absolutely. So I guess more on this as it happens, I just, we sit here and we talk about movies that are coming out, uh, television shows, that are, video game stuff. Like I talk about video game stuff all the time. Dave talks about video game stuff. I am, this is a huge time, honestly, for workers. And this is a huge story for workers. And, and it's just, it's, it's amazing. Like we are witnessing history and it happened right now. And that's amazing to me. I want to add something to this that is wrestling related, but it's very apropos. And the fact that this industry is dying to get back going to business, by the way, they are not not trying to get back to work because even John Cena has come out and said, listen, when this is over, I my my like I'm loving this. Like, I wish I could do this as much as I could. But insurance does not allow us to do this when this is over. I'm in the middle of something. I have to go. After this, when right. the strike ends, I'm out. So, you know, that it's, there's a lot of people just waiting for this finalization and that's, what's going to happen eventually, because we're not going to just lose the entire entertainment industry. No, it's too big and it's too lucrative. It won't go away. All right, fellas, let's head into one of our more recent segments. We've been covering, talking about some stuff that maybe folks haven't been watching. So I turn the tables to all of you. What you watching? Tony, you go first. You 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 were excited to, to share your watch and watch. Uh, I watched something that we shared in the trailer park. I watched Totally Killer. Um, Julie Bowen. I'm looking forward to watching it this weekend. You're going to love it. Uh, it was really good. It's less of a horror kind of slasher kind of thing. Um, you do have people getting killed, but like it's not over the top gory. There's a really good storyline. It involves time travel. And, um, much along the same path, it, 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 it really kind of explains it in a great way. I do feel kind of old, creepy uncle-ish watching this because Don Draper's daughter from Mad Men is like the main lead and she's now 23 and I'm like, wow, she's pretty hot. And then I'm like, oh wow, she was a little girl back in the day. So, you know, <laughs> you kind of feel like you're old now and things of that nature, but it's a really well written time travel horror comedy. And I think, uh. Everybody here would enjoy it if they watched it. Cool. Uh, I yeah, like I said, I plan on watching it. It is on my it is on my watch list. Uh, actually, probably as early as tonight. I got a couple of films I'm hoping to check out this evening. Um, jumping into the spooky side, Dave. What you watching? So, Tony, what's that? Totally killer. Is that what you said? Yeah, excellent. All right, excellent. I, I got to check that out. Uh, I've been watching the trailer park. I've been comes, watching the yeah, same thanks. stuff. Although I will say, last night we got. We were like starting to talk about old horror movies and things like that. And we got on the subject of the film from, I think it's 78 or 79 when a stranger calls and have not, that has not, I've not been able to find that lo and behold, it's on the cock. And we sat there and we watched it last night. And it's funny that go ahead. Tony. Are you telling me, are you telling me a stranger calls on the cock? That's right. When a stranger calls on the cock. 
title, title, show title, <laughs> Patrick, show title. Patrick out throws out. his headset. I, I, that's never happened before. I am patting myself on the back and never got it. That's the title. I don't even know what you're saying because I took off the earphones. You can celebrate all you want, motherfucker. Why are you killing this show? When, um, have you you guys have seen this movie, right? I know Patrick. Patrick's probably seen the movie because he was nodding. He can't hear me, but he's trying to get it. Pat, you've seen When a Stranger Calls, right? The original one. I have. I watched it on Peacock. Um, it's interesting that I, I had not seen it in years. I thought like the whole opening segment where she's just the babysitter and the phone calls are coming lasted a lot longer than twenty minutes because after that and everything that happened, I mean, it it really does slow down considerably where the guy's out there until the last 10 minutes and it picks up dramatically again in the last 10 minutes. But it was kind of fun and nostalgic going back down memory lane and watching that. But here's the thing. Horror was built so much differently back in the seventies and and early eighties. You got to like, if you look at horror from the seventies, it's very much a, a building tension sort of thing. Like the slasher film really didn't happen until the late seventies, early eighties, you know, you've got things like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which it's funny going back, go back and rewatch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and look at how those scares are not based on gore. They're based on scares and about your mind going crazy. Things like The Exorcist, The Omen, all of those films, it's rising tension. It's building the thing. Halloween, my absolute favorite horror movie of all time is Halloween. And the reason I love that movie so much is because of the tension that is built to a five-person body count movie. Like, that's it. Like, not a lot of people get, like, sliced and diced. And now you watch fucking, like, Hostel and Saw, and and it's like people dying left and right. Jason kills more than that in the opening credit stuff. But, um, (laughs) you know, I mean, when a stranger called, the concept of that is utterly terrifying, especially if you're a babysitter, like, fuck that. And then, of course, the big reveal, the calls coming from inside the house. I mean, holy shit. It's just, but, but I did think that I, God, I didn't realize it was only 20 minutes of the movie. Um, but those first 20 minutes are some of the best, best horror from that era ever. So it was kind of fun going back down memory lane and watching that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ray Cash, what you watching, pal? Well, I'm definitely not watching the Ravens choke one away against the Steelers. Um, it sounds like but, you are, but and, sorry, Ray. Fuck it. Fuck it. Team. Um, the morning show still is something I've, enjoy i try to catch quickly but me and the me and the mini me watched uh, blue beetle yesterday okay how, how really, did mini me like it she loved it we had a blast she loved good. it and it's good film. it was such a fun movie so, uh, and you know we're big cobra kai people you know um so jolo marduena is like a fan of ours or uh, we're a fan of his rather i should say we let her do so like when i told her just wait till you see the to see the main character she was like oh yeah so, yeah, we had a blast. Fantastic movie. Just so fun. Also, fun fact, did you know that there's a Medea movie that's a cartoon? I did not. That was yeah. news to me. Now you know. They uh, let that man make cartoons now. I mean, you can't escape Medea. <laughs> that boy there, man. That boy getting so, money. I ain't mad at him. I, I'm not going to blame him either. I mean, I, I know I talk about Teen Titans Go a lot. Have you ever seen the Medea parody episode where Cyborg becomes Grandmama? Oh. I just I w- so if this is this is a real thing. If we ever have the opportunity to interview Kyrie Payton, there's a million things I want to talk to that man about. But one of them would have to be after I watch this episode. What in the blue fuck said do this episode, sir? You are a dignified actor. 
And you did grandmama. Oh, it's hilarious too, because Cyborg Cyborg has a grandma voice. And and the 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 other Titans like it so much that Cyborg keeps doing it. Eventually he transforms into a grandma and starts walking around calling everybody child and <laughs> and being like, Don't sass child, and he like smacks them and stuff. And they have to go Ooh. fight the uh they have to go fight a grandma villain to out grandma grandma so that cyborg turns back to cyborg it's i love t tides go i think that shit's that is, i yeah, love it's that a, show it's a reverend um, as hell but it's really fun it's you know and i know there's a lot of teen titans purists out there that get really mad about it and the thing that i love about it is teen titans go leans into that shit all the time because the character control freak in teen titans go uh-huh. is basically every angry teen titans fan trying to make them go back it's hilarious anyway I am currently uh, watching American Horror Story, uh, their their latest season. Um, I'm forgetting what it's uh, called right now. Right? But... And it felt like the no, 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 no. This is an actual like it's the American Horror Story like season, is not the anthology season? ones. Yeah, it's uh, hold on. Uh, let me get it to you. It is Kim K's in it, right? Kim K's in it. Yes, uh, and American Horror Story Delicate is what this season is called in. Kim Kardashian plays a uh, publicist, a Hollywood publicist who is both best is trying to play both the best friend and worst enemy of Emma Roberts. It's uh, really an interesting series. I like it a lot. Um, And the season's been pretty good. Uh, Tony, if I let you talk, are you going to make me angry? Definitely going to make you angry. But is is, is it a stretch for her playing that character? Um, I like that you just muted yourself right away. It's here's the thing is. You can make fun of it all you want, but like it, it is partially looking at Hollywood and fame and expectations. Emma Roberts' character is a former like child star who is kind of getting her big break in this film. Her, she's also trying to get pregnant with her boyfriend uh, at the time, and there's cults going on. It's crazy. It's uh, everything that American Horror Story is. It's really really fun. Watching Lego Masters with the Little O'Dowd, their latest season. Uh, they just built. A uh, the Lego co- the competition this week they were building play areas for cats kittens uh, and so everybody was given a kitten and they had to adopt a kitten using these Lego places I don't know what that is but Ray's face tells me it has to do with him so we'll leave that be uh, and then like I said I'm going to pull out some sort of pseudo cult classic e horror films uh, HBO Max or sorry Max currently has on its um, on its seri- uh, on its service, Trick or Treat, which is a fun horror anthology uh, movie worth watching. Also on uh, Max, Cabin in the Woods, the uh, Joss Whedon horror comedy film is there. And then over on Peacock, the VHS uh, 1 and VHS 2 uh, anthology, horror anthology series uh, or movies are on peacock and i'm going to watch those and enjoy them thoroughly so all right we lost ray cash we're at it about two hours let's wrap this show up before we close things up gentlemen let's do a quick once around the table tell everybody where they can find you on the socials and on the chair shot radio network this week we will start with the lawyer david ungar you can find me on x twitter at attitude ag that is at attitude agg Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression on threads. 
because I, like Patrick, will be migrating there as soon as Elon starts charging us for this bullshit. It's at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. And of course, if you have, if we've pissed off anybody here, and I know despite the fact that he's got the second bandwagon nerd shirt, it doesn't matter because send your hate tweets to at It's Me DPP. Why, Tony? Uh, fuck that guy. Yeah, I, I, I like the question mark at the end there. That was that was a, a kinder, softer, gentler. Screw you to DP. And with that note, PC Tunny, tell people where they can find you and follow you. Uh, just follow me at PC Tunny. Make sure you're checking out everything Chair Shot Radio Network. And don't forget, you can go on Disney Plus. And during the month of October, one of my favorite things to do is watch the Treehouse of Horrors because the Simpsons are there for you all month long. And that's just quality stuff. The gateway drug that got the little O'Dowd to watch The Simpsons in its entirety on DC, DC, or, um, Disney Plus. He has watched every single episode that is on that streaming service. Uh, Ray Cash had to duck out, but make sure you give him a follow over at it, at its Ray Cash. That is its R E Y as in Mysterio C A S H. Uh, follow him. Follow me on the Twitter, uh, the X Twitter, the whatever the hell you want to call it at wrestling realist that is at w-r-e-s-t-l-n-g-r-e-a-l-i-s-t as they've said i am on threads at the same handle follow me there when elon starts charging you can also find me at that handle on instagram as well be sure to follow at bandwagon nerds the show on the x twitter don't have a new account yet we're working on that when it actually needs to be necessary it will exist and yeah, that's going to do it for us here on Bandwagon Nerds. Good show, fellas. Everyone else, we're done. Make sure you get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. Be sure to check out the season finale of Ahsoka and the season two premiere of Loki. Both terrific, loaded episodes. Great way to spend your Indigenous People's Day weekend if you're not working tomorrow or today. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Closing time, time for you to go out to the places you will be from. Closing time, this room won't be open till your brothers or your sisters come. So gather up your jackets. Why haven't you checked the children?